guys. Welcome back to For I Have Sinned. My name is Jess. And this is Lauren. And we are back with our episode one redo, Andre Chikatilo, but it's part two because there's so much information. So, yeah. Because this uh, guy does a lot of bullshit. He really, really does. <laughs> um, me and Lauren are a little bit uh, slap happy tonight, so. <laughs> Sorry. I think we tried I think it took us like a good two and a half minutes to actually record the intro, but we got it. Yeah, third, uh, third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, if you guys are watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, click the notification bell, stay in the loop. And for everyone else, you'll get notified when a new episode is up if you subscribe to us. Yeah. All right, so let's just get right into it, because there's a lot, because there's probably going to be a part three. So, I'm so proud well, of there, you. No, there, there is going to be a part three, because I, I only wrote for a part two, because I, I wanted to stop for a part three. But yeah, yeah I know, right? Crazy. Yeah. <sighs> All right, so uh, where we left off last time, um, Chikatilo committed his first murder of a nine-year-old girl named Yelena Zakatnova in his little secret house. Um, and a neighbor named uh, Alexander Kravchenko was blamed for it. Um, let's see. Yeah, if you guys remember, I said uh, how his his he had an alibi um, because his, he was home with his wife and her friends and, but then they said that there was blood on the wife's apron that matched both his wife and Yelena Zakatnova. So the neighbors verified that he was home. So yeah. that's where we left off. Uh, so even though the neighbors verified that Kravchenko was home during the time of her murder, Yelena's murder, Police threatened his wife with being an accomplice to murder. Oh, hi, Tyrion. I feel like it's always at the beginning. It never fails. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so police threatened his wife with being an accomplice to murder and her friend with perjury. As a result, the women changed their story and now claim that Kravchenko didn't return home until late at night on the day of the murder. So that's just so fucked up. Like... Yeah. And, and I mean, stuff like that still happens, you know? Oh, but yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's, ugh. So when Kravchenko found out about this information, he confessed to the killing, most likely to save his wife, or he panicked, or both. Um, and he was tried for the murder in 1979, at the trial, he retracted his confession and maintained his innocence, stating his confession had been taken while under extreme duress and pressure, which is not uncommon. I was going to say that also happens. Yeah, that makes me think of um, the kid from the West Memphis Three. Yes. That I think they questioned him for like 12 hours and he was, you know, like he already had some like um, uh, mental. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say an offensive something offensive. He had um like the mind of of a a ten year old I think they said or something okay. like that. And he was like sixteen or seventeen. Okay. But anyway, 
Um, so he was like a little like developmentally behind. Developmentally challenged. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. My God, yeah. I couldn't think of the word. Um, or the phrase. Anyway, so um, Kravchenko was still found guilty and he was sentenced to death. Um, in 1980, his sentence was reduced to 15 years imp- imprisonment, which is at the time the max length of time he could stay in prison. I don't know if that's changed, but huh. a lot of those con- other countries, it's like their their prison time, even for murder, is like nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's is- way it's weird and actually. <laughs> tangent but this is something that i've been looking into quite a bit and uh not to get all political but the united states actually has the highest rate of incarceration in the entire world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh so i don't know if we're just so used to the the sentencing here that everywhere else it seems so lenient but it's that could be it yeah especially just all the unnecessary incarceration for like weed and you know sure. like depending on who you are offenses. yeah right crimes yeah absolutely a penny depending on a pending depending Ooh. on who you <laughs> depending on who you are i told you we're slap happy um <laughs> you know if you're a person of color you're probably going to get more time sure for drugs than a white a person of, oh a lot of those laws were written to specifically target people of color but yeah. i digress i could this is something that i'm yeah, we Pas- go passionate on about as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I mean, let them out. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's not get. I know. I, know. I do a whole episode <laughs> on just that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anyway, he it was his sentence was reduced years. to fifteen years, but then Kravchenko was retried due to Yelena's relatives pressuring the Supreme Court. And now I know in America you can't be retried for the same crime, right? Like so once. Jeopardy, yeah, if there's yeah. no new evidence. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he again he was erroneously convicted and exe- he was executed by firing squad in July of 1983. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, I mean, this guy obviously was not you know, a saint because he had already been in jail for rape and I believe murder. But I mean, it's just like, oh, well, well, that guy has a record. So we're just going to pin it on him. Right. Yeah. And we see things like that happen as well here too. And, and in other cases, similarly where like, um, with Anthony Sowell, the women that came forward and, and made complaints, they had criminal histories, so they were just disregarded, and their statements just went in the trash. Right, right. Um, so meanwhile, on September 3rd, 1981, Chikatilo came across Larissa Tachenko, a 17-year-old boarding student at a bus stop in Rostov City Center. According to Chikatilo, he lured her to a forest near the Don River with the pretext of drinking vodka and relaxing. When they reached a secluded area, he threw Larissa to the ground, tore off her clothes, and attempted to rape her. Trigger warning, there's going to be some gross stuff in this episode. Um, Did I just lose my spot? Okay, so Larissa fought back. And Chikatilo, of course, could not achieve an erection. 
he he forced mud inside her mouth to stifle her screams and then battered and strangled her to death. He had no knife on his person, so he resorted to mutilating the body with his teeth and a stick. Yeah. He tore one nipple from Larissa's chest with his teeth before loosely covering her with leaves, branches, and torn newspaper. Her body was found the following day. Dude is not even, like, trying to conceal these bodies well, you know? Yeah. Um, The psychology that goes behind, like, tearing a woman's nipple off with your teeth is... I I don't even want to go there. I know. Uh, So, on June 12th, 1982, nine months after the murder of Larissa Tachenko, Chikatilo traveled to the Bagayevsky district of... Rostov by bus to purchase vegetables. In the village of Donskoy, he got off to change. I said that like a question because I wasn't sure if I was pronouncing it correctly. Girl, you're doing better than me. (laughs) I'm doing better than usual, maybe because I said a lot of these names on the original first episode. Yeah, you had practice. I had practice. Um, He got off to change buses, but then decided to walk instead. He encountered Leobov Biryuk, a 13-year-old girl who was walking home from a shopping trip. They walked together for about a quarter of a mile until their path was hidden by bushes from the view of potential witnesses. Chikatilo jumped on Leobov, dragged her into nearby bushes, tore off her dress, and killed her by stabbing and slashing her to death while he mimicked raping her. She was found on June 27th. The medical examiner found 27 knife wounds to the head, neck, chest, and pelvic region. Wounds found on her skull suggested she was attacked from behind with the handle and blade of the knife. And in addition, several striations were found upon her eye sockets. Whoa. Yeah. Vicious. Following Leobov's murder, Chikatilo no longer tried to resist his homicidal urges. Between July and September of 1982, he killed five more victims from the ages of 9 to 18. He approached children, runaways, and young vagrants at bus or train stops and would lure them uh, to a nearby forest or another secluded area. Uh, He'd kill them usually by stabbing, slashing, and eviscerating them with a knife. Some victims were strangled or battered to death in addition to receiving multiple knife wounds. So he, he like, doesn't really have that much of a pattern. I mean, the knife and is, like, his dick. But, um, you know, I mean, some of, some of them, it's not, like, just children. It's not just women. Uh, yeah, the only he's thing more, is like, it's opportunistic. Not, yeah. The only thing is it's not um, straight men. That's it. Straight adult men. That's um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, there are a few patterns that we'll see, but um, here, like this, many of the victims' bodies bore evidence of mutilation to the eye sockets. Uh, leading investigators uh, came to the conclusion that the that the killer gouged out the eyes of his victims. Now, there's a Russian folk superstition that if you kill someone, the view of the killer remains on the victim's eyes. Yeah. Chikatilo claimed this was why he mutilated his victim's eyes, but then later he said it was for his own peace of mind. Um, 
Well, I that think kinda, that, he, that kind of makes sense, though, for his own peace of mind that th- he couldn't be caught if they examined the dead body's eyes. Right, if, but I like, think he, the image he in a literal to, sense. Right, but I think he tried to take it back and say, like, no, that's not why I did it. It was just for my own peace of mind. But I think that it was because of that Russian folktale because sure he just seems seemed like the type of dude that would be superstitious like that you know what sure. I mean? and beyond superstition it's also symbolic the, mm-hmm. the last images that they saw were were him doing horrific fucking things to them so it's also like i could see that for it's him maybe kind of for, being ashamed right and that maybe that's what he meant by for peace of mind that he kind yeah. of erased that by taking out their eyes. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, seeing, because I'm sure that the majority of their eyes were open when they were being killed, you know? So, yeah. like, I mean, that's creepy. If you have any sort, I mean, I don't know what he would be classified as as far as, like, psychopath, sociopath, but um, if he had any sort of you know, empathy at all. What's Looking that? at the victim's eyes, that's got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, ah, I don't know. That's just so it's fucking crazy. weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Chikatilo's adult female victims were, re- were usually sex workers or homeless women whom he would lure to secluded areas with the promises of money or alcohol. He would attempt intercourse almost always being unable to achieve an er- or maintain an erection and this would send him into a murderous rage especially if the woman made fun of his impotence he could only reach orgasm when he he was stabbing his victims to death yeah uh that's something that i was gonna mention but of course i w- just was patient and i waited for you to get to <laughs> it but all, all of the other victims that's why they had those knife wounds because he literally couldn't achieve orgasm, right? Like at all, unless he right. was stabbing them. Right. At first it was just like the, when he was younger, it was like the struggling yes. to get away from him. But then it turned into now he, you know, once he got his taste of killing. Oh yeah. His Full on escalation. Yeah. It was yeah. just, like I said, it was like his knife was taking the place of his dick. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, Chikatilo's child and adolescent victims were both male and female. His tactic was luring them with either offering to show them a shortcut or for a chance to see rare stamps, films, coins, candy, or food. I think in particular bubblegum was like rare in the area. Sure, you have to consider the the time and the climate of what was going on there at the time. So it's really sad that these kids were like, "Oh, cool." It's just horrible. Cool stamps, coins, you know. Oh, like, and right, but like what an innocent thing. I know. I know. It's like it's like the um the old saying uh what is it with uh strangers with candy don't accept strangers from uh, don't accept strangers. Don't accept candy from strangers or something like that. What is it? Yeah. Saying? Never take candy from a stranger or something like yeah, that. Something yeah. Like that. Strangers and candy, whatever. I don't know. Now, I just think of that show, uh, Strangers right. with Candy. <laughs> yes. Um, 
So he would overpower them. He'd usually tie them up before stuffing mud or loam in their mouths to silence their screams. So that's like another pattern. He did that a lot. Yeah. He would shove just whatever he could find, grass, dirt, mud, into their mouths, and then proceed to kill them. And Chikatilo most of really... the... Oh, sorry. Most of the attacks okay. took place outside, right? Yeah, like in, in the woods. Yeah, almost all of them, I think, except for like the I'm first one... Sh- yeah, except for, um, yeah, the one that was in his house. Yeah. In his secret house, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were all in, like, secluded areas, forests, and, you know, he was traveling places, so... Sure, yeah. That's how he was able to get away with a lot of it. Yep. Um, so, uh... Chikatilo rarely made any serious effort to conceal his victims' bodies before leaving the crime scene, which I said before. Um, On December 11th, 1982, Chikatilo encountered a 10-year-old girl named Olga Stalmachenok, Stalmachenok, yes, that's right, who was riding a bus to her parents' home in Novoshaktinsk. These names. Um, (laughs) He persuaded her to leave the the bus with him and she was last seen by a fellow passenger who stated that a middle-aged man led her away by hand now that's this is the other thing he looked <laughs> sorry i just started laughing not at it on the screen Tyrion's face he was like looking directly at the camera <laughs> and then i started laughing but it was at a really bad time in the story i <laughs> i apologize <laughs> oh <laughs> boy he just was sitting behind me he was just like staring at the camera <laughs> I apologize. He's like, there I am. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so here's the thing. He looked like a grandpa yeah, at right. this time, you know? Yeah. He yeah. had, you know, graying hair. He had big, thick glasses, and he didn't look like a monster. He actually, he didn't look scary until he was in court. Yeah. But we'll get into that later. Oh, God, um, yeah. Or on the next episode. Um so yeah, so I said, uh, yeah, a fellow passenger who stated that a middle-aged man led her away by hand. Chikatilo lured Olga to a cornfield, stabbed her around 50 times in the head and body, ripped open her chest, and excised her lower bowel and uterus. Um, by January 1983, there were four victims, four more victims. A Moscow police team led by Major Mikhail Fedosov was sent to Rostov-on-Don to direct the investigation. This became known as Operation Forest Path. Clever. A team of 10 investigators was established to solve all four cases. In March of 1983, Fedosov assigned a newly appointed specialist forensic analyst, Viktor Borokov, to the investigation. Now, this dude, Viktor Borokov, is going to be like, play a big part. Um... A month later, Olga Stalmachinok's body was found. Burakov went to the crime scene where he examined the numerous knife wounds and eviscerations, plus the striations on her eye sockets. It wasn't until June 1983 that Chikatilo struck again. Uh, Laura Sarkeesian, a 15-year-old Armenian girl, was found near an unmarked train platform near Shakti. By September, he killed five more. He's just going nuts. 
It's weird uh, that he had that like kind of cooling down period after a particularly gruesome m- murder. Like I feel like that one kind of stands out because he actually removed organs from the victim's body. And then mm-hmm. he just kind of laid low for a little while. It's almost like that escalation uh, held him over for a little bit longer. And I also, I wonder if it has anything to do with, because, you know, he was traveling for his job. I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe, you know, he didn't have, it was like periods where he didn't have to travel that much. and Oh, yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Stayed close to home or something. Yeah. I mean, he did kill some people nearby, but I don't think it was as many. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um. So, yeah, so by September, he killed five more. All of the bodies found and the similarities between their wounds forced Soviet authorities to acknowledge that a serial killer was on the loose. And this, I'm pretty sure, was the first time that they've... I think he was... I think he's considered, like, Russia's first serial killer, I believe. Yeah, and that's something that I I liked that they kind of portrayed in Citizen X, where they were like... yeah. I mean, because at this point, he's had at least, what, like, 30 victims or so? Close to it, at least. Yeah. yeah. A lot. 30 victims. In a, a all similar style that they've, you know, been cut, uh, markings. And I mean, the eye sockets in particular. That alone. Right, yeah. right. And Russia was just like, nah. It's not the problem. Like no problem. Check homosexuals. <laughs> Go to Beth House. Oh like my you God. know. Like... Yeah. So it's that's how you know it was bad when like Russia finally had to admit that they had a problem. And the thing in in the movie Citizen X is it kind of shows that conflict where they're like there is no problem. We don't need to take any further action. You know. Yeah. And then the guy, uh, Burakov, um, he's, like, fighting with, like, the committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Know, he really the, pushed for with, it. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for him, who knows how much longer this would have gone on, Seriously. you know? Yeah. Because really everyone else, they were, like, heading in a completely wrong, in the complete different direction that was wrong, yep. you know? Yep. Um, so something... Oh, yeah. So what <laughs> I didn't finish my sentence. Um, this is the first time uh, they no, they finally had to acknowledge that a serial killer was on the loose, which is something they had been in denial about for a while. There you go. Police. Yeah. Police theorized that the killings were done either by a group harvesting organs or that or that good old satanic panic. Oh, wow. Or satanic cult. Um, that because that was about around that time mm-hmm. that satanic panic w- became a thing, like yeah. right, like mid eighties, wasn't it? Mid eighties, yeah, I yeah. think so. Up until nine, some sometime in the nineties, I think. Yeah. Um. They also thought, <clears throat> excuse me. They also thought it could be a mentally ill individual. Police effort mostly concentrated upon the theory that the killer must be mentally ill, gay or a pedophile, and the alibis of all individuals who had either spent time in psych wards or had convicted, or had been convicted of homosexuality or pedophilia were checked. 
which, by the way, homosexuality was not removed from the Russian list of mental illnesses until 1999. Wow. Yeah. So it was it was still a crime, too, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it was a crime until 1999, but it was definitely a mental listed as a mental illness. Yeah. So I guess you could you could be convicted of it, but you'd be sent to a psych ward, you know? Um, Russian authority, uh, oh, and by the way, Russian authority refuses to register LGBT organizations to this day. Still so, going on. Yeah. Beginning in September of 1983, several young men confessed to the murders, although these individuals were usually intellectually disabled youths who confessed, quote unquote, only only under prolonged and often brutal interrogation, which is just so fucked up. Yeah. Like these these kids are disabled, whether like intellectually disabled and you're 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 making them you're putting them under this stress that they probably you're probably making them believe that they really did do this. Right. You know, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fucking infuriating. That's what happened uh, with, um, the, the Stephen Avery case the, that, uh, making a murderer was based on the nephew. He hmm. had an IQ that was very low. Uh, what was his name? Brandon Dassey. And yeah. there was video of it, of the police coercing him and even, coaching him in what to say and it was like they just kept saying it to him and saying it to him and saying it to him until he couldn't tell the difference as to what was real and what was being fabricated so that's that's a technique that is again i'm gonna bring it back to jesse miss kelly from the west memphis three yeah you hear they played the recording in court and it was like so uh at 8 30 in the morning you were here right uh, yeah, yeah, I was here. So uh, you couldn't have been there because the kids were in school. So at, at like 12, you you were in the woods with Damien and, and um, what was the other guy's name? Jason, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was noon that we were there. Well, yeah. no, because the kids were still in school. So, you know, it had to be around like 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock. Yep, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. He just you know? went with everything. Same thing with, with Dassey. Literally, mm-hmm. same exact thing where That's whatever right. they... I about that. Yeah, they led him. And same exact thing where they'd be like, oh, well, well, maybe you didn't see that. Maybe you saw this instead. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. And And you can, I mean, it's just that painfully obvious that they were leading them. Yeah, and, you know, I think that would be hard for anybody, but for someone who is intellectually disabled they have a, or they have a low IQ, whatever it may be. And a kid. I they think don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. I think it, it just gets to the point where you're just like, and I think they also say stuff, you know, like, if, if you tell us this, like, we'll let you go, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it just it goes, it's just all the pressure and not really understanding what's going on. And you're there for hours and hours and hours being, yeah. yeah. False confessions happen way more often than you would think. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Yep. People don't realize that. Nope. Um, Google it. 
Googs it. Uh, <laughs> that was so corny. Uh, so as a result, and this is this is so fucked up. As a result of all of this, three known gay men committed suicide. But also as a result of the investigation, on a lighter note, more than a thousand unrelated crimes, including 95 murders, 140 aggravated assaults, and 245 rapes were solved. Oh, wow. So that's something. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> like they had to do actual police work. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, as police obtained confessions, bodies continued to be found, proving that those who confessed to the murders could not be the killer they were looking for. On October 30th, 1983, the eviscerated body of 19-year-old sex worker Vera Shevkin was found in Shakti. She had been killed on October 27th. The wounds were, again, similar to the other victims, but her eyes had not been removed or wounded. So... That's why I say it doesn't seem like he has, like, a, a definite pattern. It's yeah. like, it's stuff is similar, but then it's like, maybe he's just like, oh, I don't need to do that, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Or do you think he was trying, was purposely trying to mislead them? Like, mislead authorities? Maybe. By not I doing mean, those, like, was, trademark things? He was... You know, he wasn't a dumb dude. Right. You know, he, he was a teacher, right? He was a teacher. I mean, yeah. he wasn't a good teacher, but sure. because but that was because of his awkwardness and, um, you know, low self-esteem. But yeah. I mean, you know, he did really well in school. I'm pretty sure he had a, a above average IQ. I have to I would have to double check, but he's not dumb. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that paired with. <laughs> this Russian, uh, hi these Russian higher ups who just don't want to do the actual work and admit that there's a serial killer. Yep. And or listen to uh, a pr trained professional um, is just a recipe for disaster. So, as we always see, it's sort of that like a uh, perfect storm situation. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm but I feel like this is almost like in its own like realm of insanity. Oh yeah. You know? Um, so two months after that, Sergei Markov, a 14 year old Gukovo schoolboy, was found on December 27th. He was lured off a train and murdered at a rural, rural train station near Novacherkask. Sergei was castrated and suffered over 15 knife wounds to his neck and upper torso area before being disemboweled. Oh my God. Yeah. In January and February of 1984, Chikatilo killed two women in the Park of Aviate Aviators, and which was an urban forest located in Rostov. Then on March 24th, he lured Dmitry Tashnikov a 10-year-old boy, away from a stamp kiosk in Nova, Novoshaktinsk. What's, uh, the stamps are like a big thing. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah. Several witnesses noticed Chikatilo walking with Dimitri and were able to give a detailed description of him to investigators. 
Three days later, Dimitri's body was found, along with the killer's footprint and semen and saliva on the victim's clothes. So here's here's another thing that's fucking annoying. There's multiple witnesses have given descriptions of Chikatilo from the first murder. Um, but there's still nope. We got to look for all the gay people and all the intellectually disabled people and all the uh, mentally ill people and all the um, pedophiles. I mean, obviously he's a pedophile, so like that makes sense. But sure. Um, it's almost like they exploited it as an excuse to harass these other people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On May 25th, 1984, a young woman named Tatiana Petrosian and her 10-year-old daughter were killed by Chikatilo. Tatiana actually knew Chikatilo for years prior to her murder in Shakti. So I believe that she was a sex worker and she was like out with her daughter and I guess um you know he offered her money or something like that so I believe that the daughter waited like on one in one area while they went off into another area of the woods which great parenting but um (laughs) but I mean whatever so he he killed her and then killed the daughter which it, it just I don't know why for some reason that that hits me hard yeah, well, yeah, um, that's horrifying. Yeah. Um, by the end of July, three more women were killed by Chikatilo between the ages of 19 and 21. And then a 13-year-old boy was also murdered. Shut up, Tarion. <laughs> it's cool. Um, during the summer of 1984... Chikatilo stole two rolls of linoleum from his job, and he was then fired. He found another job as a a supply clerk on August 1st in Rostov. On August 2nd, 16-year-old Natalia... Oh, this one's one's tough. Natalia Golosovskaya... Perfect. ...was, I believe, was killed in the Park of the Aviators. On August 7th, he lured 17-year-old Ludmila Alexeyeva to the banks of the Don River on the pretense of showing her a shortcut to a bus station. Ludmila suffered 39 knife wounds to her body before Chikatilo mutilated and disemboweled her. She was found the next morning, and her excised upper lip was in her mouth. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Chikatilo flew to the Uzbek capital of Tashkent on a business trip. And by the time he returned to Rostov on August 15th, he killed an unidentified young woman and a 10-year-old girl named Akmarol Seydalieva. Within the next two weeks, 11-year-old Alexander Chappell was found just yards from where Ludmila Alexeyeva's body was found earlier. Alexander was strangled and castrated, and his eyes were gouged out. Chikatilo then killed a young librarian named Irina Luchinskaya in the Park of Aviators on September 6th. So he just, throughout this time, he just went on a complete, like, insane ramp. Yeah, just a rampage. Yeah. 
crazy fucking rampage. Um, I'm going to end it there for, um, for part two. Okay. Cause there's still a lot left and I, you know, if I edit it all in this one, it would be like probably an hour and a half. Yeah. And you know, I think the longest we really like to go is around an hour, but, sure. um, yeah. But anyway, so I mean, thoughts, just thoughts on this, just, you know, I know this case so well, and no matter how many times I read about it or, um, you know, watch something about it, uh, cause I watched, I, I did watch Citizen X again before it was either before part one or right after part one. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's just still so, it just still affects me so much. It's, it's fascinating. It's fucking terrifying. It's, ugh. Yeah, it's, it's really horrifying. The last victim that you had just mentioned was, uh, Lidmilla? No, um, hold on. Oh, Akmaral? Irina. Luchinskaya. Okay. So just for curiosity's sake, I pulled up a list of the victims and Arena is number 32. So that's, that's the the, uh, count that we're up to just in this short time. Yeah. And I mean, spoiler alert, but you know, whatever. I think he was, um, I think it ended up his his number ended up being between 53 and 56 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That they know of. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah. Yep. There, were prob- there was probably a lot more. I mean, or I wouldn't be surprised because, I mean, maybe he did conceal some bodies really well, you know? Yeah. Or there were just ones that were never found. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I don't want to talk about it because we'll talk about it in part three, but. Okay. Um, it's just, I can't even imagine these poor, these poor kids, especially like this, this, just this, like, you know, nice little old man. Well, not little. I think he was very tall actually, but, um, just, you know, this grandpa looking guy. He's just very unassuming. Like he didn't look anything out of the ordinary, especially for the time. Yeah. And even though he was a shit teacher, he knew how to talk to kids, yeah. you know? He had so, two kids of his own, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, what's interesting to me is that his self-esteem was so low and he was so awkward, like growing up and as a teacher, even, you know, like, like I, we covered in the first episode, you know, his students basically walked all over him. And right. with this, it's like, he's got like charm and, um, confidence and, yeah. and I think it really just, all it has to do with is I'm going to, I'm going to come, you know, right. I'm going right. to come, I'm going to, I'm going to orgasm. So right. I think that's really what it has. I think it's just a straight up. He's just a straight up sexual deviant. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to go to horny jail and yeah. instead he just kills people. It's Yeah. 
he, well, he's just <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, he's, he's fucking, he was, he was, ugh. fucking gross. Um, fucking gross. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I guess we'll end it there and join our Patreon. I've kind of been slacking, but I promise this week I will get back on it. Um, it is for I have sinned pod.com slash patron. No, patreon.com slash for I have sinned pod. <laughs> flip it. Just flip it around. Um, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Listen to us everywhere else Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Um, are we anywhere else? I don't think so. No. No. Nope. We should be everywhere else, though. We should get on that. Um, Although I don't really know anybody that like I barely even know anyone that listens to Stitcher. So yeah, no, I think there's Google has like a oh, like a yeah. Google version of Apple Podcasts, so that should be one that we could. Yeah, maybe we'll look on. into that. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, you know what we always say: stay safe, wash your hands, and, and please don't seriously. kill your family. Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> Don't, 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 don't gouge people's eyes out. Don't kill you anybody don't. else's family. Yeah. Just don't be, don't um, substitute a knife for your dick. Yeah. That's just and not like, good for anybody. I was going to say, like, I'm not here to kink shame. If knives are your, knife dicks are your thing, just get like a knife shaped dildo. Yeah. And that be your knife Or dick. you know what? Like, find a uh a partner who's consexual and likes knife play because there are yeah. safe ways to do that yeah just get on fet life put it out there and you'll right exactly <laughs> exactly people there's somebody into something that somebody else is into so there's, there's someone for everyone there's a person say. for for us all <laughs> all right guys. Hi guys we'll talk to you or see you soon bye sinners <laughs>